The Holy Gospel, according to St. John, the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. After he appeared to his followers in Jerusalem, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered together there were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but they caught that night nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach. But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, have you no fit? You have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That d- disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, fish 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it, it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated and the children may come forward for a children's sermon.
morning. morning. It looks like it's just me and you today. That's kind of cool, isn't it? It's kind of cool. So I've got a story for you, and I bet you're going to be pretty good at this one, okay? All right. Once, when I was younger, I was older than you, but I was probably, oh, I don't know, around Gabriel's age, okay? So once when I was younger, around Gabriel's age, my parents left the house. I had three other brothers. They were all the same age or younger than me. And my parents said, Ben, you're in charge. <laughs> now, what do you think I'm supposed to do if I'm in charge of the house? What do you think? Make sure they don't get in trouble. That's the whole job. Yeah, <laughs> like make sure they don't get in trouble. Everyone's, oh, hi, Claire. We have just doubled in size. That's so cool. Make sure they don't get in trouble, right? And so if they were fighting, we're supposed to stop. And if they were gone long enough, probably get some food around, make sure we all ate. Um, make sure that we were doing things that we're supposed to do, not doing things we weren't supposed to do. Kind of like that, right? Now, I'll admit, it wasn't too, too hard because my brothers were raised by the same parents that raised me, and so they already knew what they were supposed to be doing. It's just a matter of doing it. Now, when my parents said, you're in charge, did that make me a mom or a dad? Did that make me a parent? Uh, no, not really. I have no children of my own. I am not yet a father. I'm not yet a mother. I don't think I'll ever get to the mother part. I'm motherly. However, I was in charge, wasn't I? Yeah. I was still a kid, wasn't I? Yeah. Today, in the gospel... Well, you guys are still kids, too. Yeah. Today, in the gospel... Jesus tells Peter to feed my sheep or tend my, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. Yeah, they're sheep, there's lambs. Feed them, tend them. There you go. I don't. I don't. Right. Well, that's my house right there. I have no sheep. You could see them if I had sheep. Yeah. But do you know what that means? That means care for the ones that Jesus cares for just like you would care for sheep or lambs, just like you care for a pet, just like you... Do you ever care for a dog? I feel like both of you have a dog. Yeah. Do you... Do you, you used to have one, Yeah. And what do you do to take care of the dog? Let it outside sometimes? I think play with it is a real important part of it. Yeah? Wash it. Wash it. We don't really wash it. Not really? <laughs> I'll give you a hint, Claire. Neither do I. <laughs> well, that's good. But in all those things, we care for someone like we have been cared for ourselves. Now, when Jesus tells you to care for everyone else. Does that make you Jesus? No. No. So it's not like the weight of the whole world is on your shoulders. You're just supposed to do as best you can with whatever you have. Can everyone sit up? There you go. That's okay. 
So when you are told this week to do something like Jesus, can you think of when that might be? When you're told this week to do something like Jesus, I want you to think that you don't have to be perfect. I want you to think that you have to do as best you can. Just like Peter, just like me, just like my parents, just like your parents, just like you. I want you to do as best you can and know that God loves you no matter what. Does that make sense? Yeah. Should we say a prayer? Let's say a prayer. Gracious God, we're thankful. We're thankful for the way that you love us, for the way that you care for us, for the way that you never leave us. We ask that when you ask us to care for the ones we love and our neighbors in the whole world, just like Jesus cares, that you be helpful to us, that you remind us that we probably won't be perfect, and that when we mess up, you love us still. Be with all your people that cry out in this way, and love them always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we have a snack for you. In the name of Jesus, amen. I think this story feels like three stories really long, isn't it? We start with a fishing story, in the middle is a breakfast story, and then in the end is a call story, and they all seem to inform one another in sequential order, but it's really hard to dig into exactly what is happening experientially to the disciples in that moment. But I have found it increasingly helpful to work backwards in the text, to start with the call story and work ourselves backwards so that we know the depth that Jesus is reaching. So, follow along. See how it goes. This call story, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. There's been a lot made out of this call story over the course of history. Some folks connected, and I think rightly so, to the threefold denial of Peter, where Peter denied knowing Jesus three times before the crucifixion. And in that, some people say, well, this is Peter being asked to affirm Jesus three times before being given this charge. Maybe is my answer to that. Some people have marked this as the beginning of the church universal or the beginning of the church structure that we are used to or apostolic succession, the laying on of hands all the way from the time of Jesus until now where authority in the church is being handed over. Some people might understand this text to mean the authority of a church like anyone from the succession of Peter, like the Pope. Some people might mean the authority of the church of pastors having apostolic succession. I'd say to all of that, Maybe. Maybe. But I think the real lived experience here, not the, the others are false, but the lived experience here is one where Jesus is connecting with Peter. That's the bedrock of this experience. Everything else can be laid on top of it, but the bedrock of this is Jesus and Peter are talking. 
right? Seems basic, but there we are. And Jesus is asking Peter three times the same question, do you love me? Now, have you ever been annoyed? Look at that universal <laughs> acceptance of everything. Yeah, have you ever been annoyed? Yes, you've been annoyed. <laughs> and I guarantee you, if you're asked the exact same question three times in a deep, moving, meaningful way, you, like Peter, feel hurt. Like, why is my answer not good enough? How is my answer not sinking in? I don't know what else to do to get you to believe what I say. And so when Jesus asks three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter tries to express that. And with each of the three times, Jesus responds with some kind of care language. Some kind of understanding of feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. I think this is the beginning or the middle of Peter's discipleship. Of Peter understanding, now that this big crucifixion and resurrection moment has begun, what should I be doing now? I mentioned this in Sunday school, but I want you to imagine kind of the day after a really big moment, or a really big day. Maybe it's the day after a wedding. Maybe it's the day after a funeral. Maybe it's the day after a birth. Maybe it's the day after some kind of huge career change or something. The day after. You find yourself in tension with the magnitude of that moment. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. And the normal, the mundane. The things that we have to start doing again, right? It's kind of like, I'll, I'll always remember the day after Kristen and I got married. I made an egg. And I thought to myself, wow, I'm married and making an egg. I made an egg like, I don't know, a billion times before. I'll make one a billion times later. But, but for some reason, it struck me that the two, the mundane and the phenomenal, were coming together. The mundane, everyday life is coming back to meet the phenomenal resurrection. And with it, Jesus is bringing instruction. Here's how to get your feet back on the ground. Here's what you're supposed to be about. Let's settle up. Remember, here's what you do. You feed my lambs. You tend my sheep. You feed my lambs. This is what your life is about right now. The mundane is emphasized each step we take away from this story, each way that we move backwards in this story. Because the next thing is breakfast. Right? Now there's no reason this actually needs to exist. There's no miracle happening inside breakfast. There's a miracle before it, it seems like. There's a sign before it. There's no miracle of breakfast. There's nothing divided and multiplied. There's no healing. There's no prophecy. 
It's simply, come and have breakfast. Which, again, seems incredibly mundane. Yeah, okay, sure, Jesus, we'll eat. But it also is a moment where the incredibly mundane interacts with the phenomenal. Because Jesus knows that this whole church is being established with and around these finite human beings. And so at the same time, Jesus is establishing the whole ecclesiastical structure, the whole church structure that will happen after him. He's also establishing, hey guys, you should remember to eat. Because you're human. Hey guys, you should remember to care for one another. Because you're human. Hey guys, remember, you're humans. So care for yourselves like humans. I don't know about you, but I find this incredibly life-giving because there are several times throughout my day when I'm convinced that there's other work I should be doing besides the work for myself. Maybe I should skip lunch because that's not a good use of my time right now. Maybe I should work a little bit more because that's not a good use of my time right now. Maybe I shouldn't care for myself because I need to care for others. But here Jesus is saying wholly and fully that breakfast or the care, the mundane care that you give to yourself and to one another is just as worthy of a calling. In fact, it comes before feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. Self-care is just as important as care for the resurrection. And in it, the mundane sleep and eat brush your teeth, do the things you need to do, interact with the phenomenal. Then we move one step back, and this is about as mundane as it gets. We have this fishing story. And I don't know about you, but in this story it says this is the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples. The first two seem Right? The first two are Jesus appearing in a locked room, first on the evening of Easter, showing the holes in his hands and the holes in his side. And then the second time with Thomas present, again saying, peace, and giving the Spirit. And then the third time, it just seems to be fishing tips. Right? Where all of a sudden, we don't have this incredible oomph behind Jesus' appearance, but we have a very simple moment. And if you just pay attention to this moment alone, this could have taken place before the cross as well as after. But in the disciples going about their everyday thing of we should get some food so we can eat, Jesus appears in an incredibly boring way saying, hey, here's how you can catch fish. And it's from that moment that the breakfast is built. And it's from that moment that the church is built. And it's from that moment that that discipleship is built. And it's from that moment that everything else happens. And this is powerful and impactful because the center of our church and the center of our discipleship happens in the mundane. If we were to rewrite this story today, this would be like 
seven of you went to Giant or Kenny's. And the seven of you went late at night when they were restocking, and so they didn't have much of what you wanted. There was nothing on the list, right? And then, as you were walking through Giant or Kenny's, Jesus appears. Now, already, that's impactful, right? But Jesus appears, and Jesus says to you, Lo and behold, the Pop-Tarts you're looking for, there's a few more in back. We'll get them for you. And somehow that leads the disciple whom Jesus loved to say, it is the Lord. <laughs> because, wow, they got a lot of Pop-Tarts. And they get brought out. And then Jesus leads you to that little beer garden at the front of Giant. Yeah, right? Except for it's late at night, so they're not open. I know. I know. Except for it's late at night and they're not open. So Jesus takes the Pop-Tarts that were already laying on the table and says, you bring your Pop-Tarts too. Here, take and eat. Now I love the way that this looks because Jesus is in a place that we did not expect him. And the beginning of our church is in a place that we don't associate with church. And the powerful message of resurrection is anchored, not right beside this font, and not right beside this table, but all of a sudden in the mundane beer garden at Giant. And that's really, really important. Because God lives every single day. God teaches us discipleship every single day. God feeds us with daily bread every single day. God dwells with us in the mundane every single day. Every single day in the places we least expect. Like in the aisles of Giant or Kenny's. Like in simply preparing food. Like in simply taking care of ourselves and others. In the mundane. This is where Christ teaches us discipleship, and this is where the impact of the church is meant to be felt. So this week, I want you to try to catch yourself doing the most ordinary task you can. Maybe it's going grocery shopping. Maybe it's folding laundry. Maybe it's washing your hands. Maybe it's putting on your shoes. Whatever. I want you to catch yourself in the most ordinary task. And in that moment, in whatever time you have, I want you to ponder the magnitude of God come to earth to dwell with us, of God dying on a cross for our sins, God rising again, the magnitude of God incarnate and everything involved being with you in that moment. Not just in the church, but in that moment. The moment of tying your shoes, the moment of making breakfast, the moment of grocery shopping. And then I want you to carry that with you to every mundane moment in your life and realize that this is the place, those are the places that Christ teaches you. Those are the places that Christ blesses you. So 
God be with you in the laundry. And God be with you in the groceries. And God be with you in the breakfasts. And God be with you, teaching you and loving you in each of those moments. God be with you. Amen.